what I've come to understand and what witnessing so many hundreds of births, as I am sure you have as well, is that when you can hold a space for physiological birth, very rarely do you need any medical skills. Right now, what I just feel so very passionate about is to actually mentor and educate women to walk into the system and safeguard this very broken system as we create the new. I feel like that is what I've come to after these years of what needs to be the middle ground because we cannot change the system. We need to build a new one. It needs to happen not connected to that system. And in the meantime, we need to protect women and we need space holders that can hold and protect the space, the physiological, spiritual rite of passage that is birth. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, But how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am passionate about helping women have the most empowering and physiological birth that they can have. So I'm very passionate about um, helping women optimize that in a system that constantly causes um, the opposite to happen to women, right? So we have uh, our maternity system right now has uh, a rate of producing women who have birth trauma. One in three women have birth trauma in our current maternity system. And I'm very upset with that and passionate about changing that and the birth narrative that we have in our current society. So can you tell us a little bit about your um, background as a midwife, where you were trained, where you're currently practicing, where you've practiced? So I am an Australian midwife. I'm Swedish, but I trained and lived in Australia for many years. And that's where I worked. And I have experience from both um, home birth setting, birth center setting and hospital setting in Australia. I'm currently based in Sweden. And what I do now is actually mostly coaching and educating worldwide as well as here in Sweden. And I also attend births in Sweden, both in hospital and at home as a spiritual midwife. So I hold a safe and physiological space for women um, who want to have a natural birth and who sees the birth process as a rite of passage and wants that process to be honored and respected and celebrated. So I'm familiar with the birth in both New Zealand and Europe. I know some of the ways in the US of how you how your maternity system is built up. And obviously, Sweden, my country that I'm from, um, having both coached and worked with women from all over the world in different countries, also having midwifery colleagues around the world um, and working closely with them. I understand the system in different countries. And I think that that's what we'll start talking about today. 
You mentioned that you practice as a spiritual midwife and you help women have birth in a way that is um, views birth as a rite of passage and that it's a transformational experience. So can you elaborate a little bit on the spiritual experience of birth? Well, I feel like it has been forgotten that it even has to be explained somehow. In our modern world, we see it very much from the biomedical model, the allopathic model. Um, I've never seen it as that ever, even before I became a midwife or during my training, which was very much in the university and, you know, from that biomedical model of care. I see it um, as a rite of passage and I see it as a transformational event for a woman physically, obviously, but also emotionally, mentally culturally, spiritually, her whole identity. Um, and that is what it is, you know, a rite of passage. It's a transformational event that will alter your identity. And and um, I really miss in our current maternity system, even sometimes in birth centers and the home birth settings with, with certain practitioners, that view of birth um, to to see a woman as the woman, the birth process, the baby, the intelligence that they possess, the expertise and the mystery, you know, we truly don't understand the birth process. We pretend we do, but truly we don't. It is still a mystery in so many ways. And as what I feel and see being a spiritual midwife is someone who holds the space for the mystery and understands that in doing so, I actually create a safe space for the physiology to unfold. So the less um, interference and the more safety and love and support I can bring in and a grounded presence I can bring to the space, the better outcome the mother and baby will have in the birth process itself. One of the most significant things that I see in modern maternity practice is this desire and feeling and need to control every part of pregnancy and birth. And there's rarely the discussion around surrender. There's rarely yeah. a woman or a provider just saying, we don't know. And it's okay. It'll happen. It'll come when it comes. Baby will come when it comes. Baby will turn if they're going to turn. Otherwise they'll be born breach. It's okay. Every little piece of it, we have our hands in trying to evaluate, trying to, you know, make it fit a norm. And yeah. I think that piece of surrender and trust is so underappreciated, undervalued, under-discussed that women innately don't even, they've forgotten it. Yeah. Well, it's very much something just in our society, though, isn't it? The whole thing about surrender. It's, um, it's a feminine principle that is not practiced just throughout, right? Um, surrender and trusting in the mystery of life itself. You know, just I think we're very much um, looking to the outside for expertise in general. And the same when we get pregnant and, and birthing. You're reminding me of an article I read in Mothering Magazine many years ago, in which the author of the article attended a medicalized 
uh, birth event. I don't remember if it was related to ACOG or what it was, but she was commenting on something one of the doctors at the podium had said. He began his his talk by saying, our goal is to guarantee that every woman have a safe birth and a living baby at the end. And that sounds wonderful when you read that. And I remember the discomfort I felt reading her opposition to his position. She was saying that is simply impossible. And what I came to understand, of course, in these years of being in the field is the pursuit of that, or even the guise of the pursuit of that. And I say guys, just because of the medical model in the US being about corporations running this process in hospitals, but the pursuit of the supposed safe outcome is exactly and precisely what's causing harm. It's exactly what's driving up mortality rates. So we speak a lot um, about um, how culture has an enormous impact on birth. And uh, you're a really great person to talk to about this because you have so much insight. So one thing Americans understand is that uh, we have this this blanket belief that births are best in Europe. I think yes. because you do t- tend to top the world in having the lowest mater- uh, maternal mortality outcomes. Mm. Um, but what are you witnessing as far as like what what is what could still be improved? What trends are happening that you're witnessing in the past 15, 20 years? Well, I really feel though that the trend is towards the American model everywhere. And yes, absolutely. Some countries um, definitely have better outcomes, and and currently the system for sure. Um, and I would say in our Western culture, I, I do see the U.S. to having the worst system for women and babies and their outcomes and their experiences. But that doesn't mean that um, all other countries are good. Um, I think. Overall, we're seeing an over-medicalization happening all over the world, which is also impacting um, women's experiences and outcomes and their babies and their families. So, for example, um, many people don't know this, but all women birth in hospitals in Sweden, very, very few birth at home. There was um, publicly funded home births only in Stockholm, the capital up until this year, only for second-time moms. So if you're a first-time mom, you you didn't get that. You had to prove yourself that you could birth first, prove to the patriarchy that you could birth first before you were allowed to have the publicly funded home birth. And the only reason they stopped that, and I, I just want to say this because it's not just in the US where money and corporations rule. It's the same all over the world and and in Sweden as well. And so it was budget, it was money that killed this project that provided publicly funded home births for second time months in only Stockholm again. So today you actually have to pay for an independent home birth midwife if you want to have a home birth. There's no options in Sweden. And, you know, we talk about how Sweden and other countries around here are so progressive, not when it comes to maternity care. And it shows you the way you, you view women in a society, the way she's treated at birth. Oh, I couldn't agree more. We see that in our lack of postpartum support. You see that the mother isn't valued. You see that the baby isn't valued. If you believe that a baby can immediately go to 
any random person for some women, it's got to be who knows a neighbor with five other little kids in her apartment because she has no um, maternity care. It's, it's, it is a very loud message that that mother and that baby is not valued. I want to go back to what you said about um, uh, money driving this all over the world in the United States. It's actually a corporation with shareholders corporations buy out hospitals. They are run exactly like corporations. They are corporations. It's misleading to the public because in the 1980s, they convinced uh, Ronald Reagan's Congress to allow them nonprofit status. And all that achieved was um, was to allow them not to pay federal income tax, but they're held to none of the limitations of nonprofit. So they get multi-million dollar salaries and big bonuses. Um and there are openly corporations with consultants and advertising. Um, in European nations, it might have to do with money, but it's the national healthcare system and the, it's the government's budget that we're talking about. But the reason I view it as different is that um, it doesn't serve the government in Europe when people are sick because then they need to spend more money on making them well again. But in the United States, what drives our medical economy is either testing healthy people or treating sick people. But in Europe, doesn't the government always have the incentive for people to be well and just back out into their lives rather than keeping them in the hospital? Can you just talk about the differences between the two models? Because to sum it up by saying it's always about money, I I know there's a lot of nuance to that. There is, absolutely. The systems are different, but it's still, at the end of the day, For example, what cut that home birth program was budget, was money, was because it was more expensive to put two midwives in a home for a birthing woman than to have maybe one midwife in Sweden. This is how it's been. It's changing now. We're finally coming in with the continuity of care model, but that's only just beginning here. So very behind on that. Um, as it's been, it's been one midwife, maybe for two, maybe sometimes three birthing women in the labor suite. And then we have um, nurses who help out um, as kind of the care uh, that the midwife can't give in the hospital system. And so it is, it is driven by money. That's what I mean. That but the model is very different mm. and it's not a yeah. corporate model that we're talking about seeking profits. But yes, of course, these budget cuts are going to affect women's choices. And that's the point you were making. Yes. Yes. Is that's there the anything else that we're missing that we haven't mentioned about money? <sighs> money drives the world wherever you are. <laughs> it doesn't matter what country you're in, I think. Just it just looks different. Um, and yeah. That's the same in Australia as well, for example. Yeah. So money is a big driver for things. Let's talk, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what it means to be a spiritual midwife. What is the, the art of spiritual midwifery? What does that look like in practice for you? To me, it's truly kind of what I said in the beginning of our conversation to view the birth process as innately wise. And nature, design, is not flawed. And as a spiritual midwife, I feel like my job is to uphold the most safest space for the physiology of birth to unfold. And to also see the woman as the expert of her pregnancy and 
her birth experience and for me as the space holder, the witness. And what I've come to understand and what witnessing so many hundreds of births, as I am sure you have as well, is that when you can hold a space for physiological birth, very rarely do you need any medical skills. Very rarely does things don't unfold naturally and beautifully. And that's why we see so great outcomes at home births compared to hospital births when it comes to that unfolding. And also a woman's satisfaction after birth. You know, it's a drastic difference from being even at a natural birth in hospital, which is very, very rare. I don't know if you see much of that in, in the US. You know, there's a lot that needs to go into the space holding and protection really in that space, but it's possible. But the difference from someone birthing in their own home environment and doing so truly all by herself, the empowerment, the, just the glow and the oxytocin in the room, the release of the love hormone, you can cut it with a knife. It's so palpable and it changes all of us, doesn't it? It makes us birth junkies. I, um, I've seen many of my clients have uh, natural births in hospitals, but I, I have made an observation that it's a very different experience from those who have home births or even, even birthing center births, which are still a, a big disruption to that, that flow. It always yeah. seems like it's more of an overcome or they, ha or having done something despite something else like, Oh, I did it. I got the birth. I was, but that's so different from the deep quiet and contentedness of giving birth and just lying there holding your baby. It's a very different mm -hmm. experience. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, interesting it's that we have to, that we're in a place where we have to convince women that this is something that they can do instead of it just being the default. This is the, this is the norm that we do it this way, that we do it undisturbed, that we do it physiologically, that we do it in our home, that we do it basically ourselves with the midwife or OB just standing by in case that there, there is a problem that arises. But as Cynthia just said, it's, it's so much more often the woman feeling so accomplished if she actually achieves that birth outcome, because it's like this uphill battle to get there. Yes. In our current maternity system, very much so. And that's why I'm so passionate in mentoring others to be spiritual midwives, to be able to hold this space for women wherever they choose to birth, you know, because we have to face it in our current system. Some places you can't have a home birth if you don't free birth or birth without a medical professional, because that's just not your reality. And maybe as a first time mama or just any mama, you don't wish to do that. You do want to have someone there present with you. And, so um, what does it look like to hold that space for a woman as a spiritual midwife from the day she conceives until the day her baby's born? Can you give us a little bit of detail on just how your presence as a midwife might look different than a non-spiritual midwife or, or, a, or a nurse midwife or an OB? Well, essentially, I very much embody being with women. Like that is my identity. My identity is not the expert. I know I possess a lot of wisdom and embodied knowledge. 
but I walk alongside a woman through her pregnancy, birth and beyond. And I very deeply listen to her needs. And a big focus of mine is very much um, daring to look at fears and talk about anxieties. And um, I work with fear release techniques and um, inner journeys. And also, you know, talking about her birth, you know, the, her mother's birth with her, talking about her lineage, talking about, you know, is there anything that can impact her birth experience? Sexual trauma, for example, is something that a lot of women do experience. You know, I, I open a conversation and a space, a safe space to work through what needs to be worked through to feel fully calm and confident in going into birth and also very much educating on the physiology of birth. Like when you understand the work of the womb and you understand how nature has designed you, a lot of fear and anxiety and uncertainty goes away. And at the end of the day, birth is the unknown. You're always going to be a bit fearful of the unknown and we can't control it as we just spoke of. It's a mystery. As soon as you have your first contraction, that is when you need to fully surrender and let go and go on that journey that birth takes you on and trust it and have the people around you that can safeguard that space for you. But you need to let go and surrender into birth. And how could a woman actually let go and surrender to birth in an environment where people are coming in and evaluating her every hour, yes. charting and writing and critiquing and just even just the, the energy on their face coming in and out the door, you know, giving you that positive signal or that feeling that, oh, maybe you're not meeting expectations. Like, how can you possibly mm. surrender in that environment? I'm always so um, by women who do. It's it's so, imp- the, the most impressive thing is a woman who follows, has a natural undisturbed physiologic birth in the hospital. Who can 100%. overcome that? That is definitely the, that's what we marvel at. So. When I mentor others to hold this space, this spiritual midwifery birth space for a woman, we very much work on the person's own woundings and maybe um, fears or anxieties, her own view of birth or authority or, um, you know, how can she become the best space holder for birth, for physiological birth. And that's being actually a very fierce space holder in the birth space if you're in a hospital. Because there your role would be very different than if you are in a home birth setting um, with an independent midwife. It's a very different, as you know, experience. Um, And I can speak of myself and what I preach is that you have to be fierce in safeguarding that woman's space. And this is something I communicate very, very clearly with my families around that. You know, we know already what we're going into. We know what she wants to decline and accept. And it, it'll go through me. I will be that person and I will truly safeguard that space. And, you know, I think as we mentioned, to have a natural birth in hospital, it demands so much of the woman and maybe her partner if it's only them. And even if you truly you truly trust birth and your body and your baby and and trust the process. If you constantly have to decline things or protect your space, it will bring you up. Like that's what we, you know, that's the physiology, right? So what I mean is that what the space I hold and that I teach others to hold is that fierce protective space where we've already before 
decided what she wants and doesn't want in labor and birth. And that truly means sometimes I go in with women and their partners and decline absolutely everything. Do you feel that your ability to hold space is impaired in a hospital? Do you feel it can still be done in a hospital to have that reverent space? Yes. How can a woman do it? How can a doula do it? So I cut all the lights and have either little fairy lights or or fake candles. I hide all the equipment to the best of my ability. I push away the bed. I, I you know, have um, a mattress on the floor or whatever I can create to have other stations around the birth space. I come in with a woman as late as possible in her birth to um, to decrease the time in a foreign space. Driving there, you know, we do everything to hold that space. You might have, you know, glasses, like um, sunglasses or a blindfold and listening to some music or just holding a safe space. How can she do that? We try to do that to the best of our ability. When we get in there, I'm the person that talks to the midwives and nurses and uh, make sure that she and her partner can be in the bubble as much as possible. And I'm with them in their bubble. If I, you know, we very much keep actually staff out of the room, you know, and we invite them to sit in a corner and we might say, you know, it's okay to listen intermittently, maybe once half an hour or, you know, whatever. I communicate with the staff there about the wants and needs of the woman and she is the sole person that decides and she has very much so done so before and we have such a good rapport and such a deep relationship that we can read each other and she can inform me if there's anything that she wants to change about that and so there's very little disturbance and very much holding that sacred um, physiological space of very little disturbance and interference right so basically she doesn't have to be disrupted yes. to make these choices or make these decisions, or it's all been prearranged prior to the birth. Yes. So that you can, so that you are on the forefront of that line and she can remain undisturbed. Yes. You also remind me that Ina Mae Gaskin always said that a woman, a laboring woman and her midwife actually must love each other. Mm. Mm. And who in the world would say such a thing? Isn't that just mm. so beautiful? But when you were describing that and you were talking about the mutual trust between you and your client, that's what that's the feeling that I had. I said, this is what Ina Mae was always talking about. There has to be love because there are so many al- analogies to sex. A woman's body can't completely relinquish without trust um, in sex or in childbirth. So why should it sound so extreme to say she should actually feel reciprocal love from the person who's closest to her supporting her through birth. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes me teary actually. When you said that you made me tear up because it's exactly that. Exactly that. I'm here to provide love and support and respect and honoring. And that is, you know, that is also taking on a client that I know I can do that for. That is the perfect ideal birth situation what we what we've just walked through and described and that would be that is the dream for every woman to be able to have that kind of protected space and that kind of relationship how do you go about creating that in 
the short amount of time that you have to get to know a woman, especially if she comes to you later in pregnancy? Yeah, I think that first of all, you know, like attracts like. And so the ones who are attracted to me um, are usually very much suited for me to assist them. And that, you know, there's not, there's no coincidences, you know? Um, and so it's usually women who mm, deeply know themselves already, have potentially a spiritual practice or um, meditation practice, yogic practice um, that already are on a spiritual path because they are attracted to the, to me called the spiritual midwife, you know, someone who doesn't align with that would never contact me, you know? And so already there we have rapport. We understand each other. Many times the first conversation I have with a woman and her family, I feel like I know them, you know, as if they were always meant to be in your life somehow. right? Right. Yeah. 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 Many of them becomes good friends, you know, it feels like a really dear friend. Yeah. And I do believe that that actually is really important. You know, I don't know about you, um, Trisha, but during my training uh, to become a midwife, it was very much talk about separation. You know, this is a professional relationship. You're not almost allowed to be friends. And I really struggled with that notion. And I can fully say that that's not a part of my psyche anymore. Um, I probably was a bit influenced during my student years around that. But truly, it is a relationship and it's one of the most deepest relationships you'll ever have. Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. 
That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed, a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, Head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. Well, in my first, in, in my earliest trainings in midwifery school, we put on a white coat before we walked yeah. in the room with the patient in quotations. Um, so that's, that, that separation is immediately uh, pronounced when you put on the white coat. I just wanted to make a comment about what we were discussing about the difference between having a natural birth in a hospital environment and a natural birth at home and how much harder it is to do that in a hospital environment, not just because you have so much to overcome. And I always feel it's so helpful to recognize the first intervention as the leaving of the home and the next intervention as the you know, if you take off your own clothing and put on their ridiculous gown that you don't have to wear, or if they convince a woman to use a haplock, which is so ridiculous, a catheter in the hand through her birth. And even if the hospital staff's argument is, but we're not attaching it to anything. It's like, that's all the more ridiculous that I'm doing this, but that's another intervention. It's psychological, it's physical. I wouldn't want to record this podcast episode with a catheter in my hand. That would really change my experience right now. Um, yeah. We have to start to recognize interventions as not just being Pitocin and episiotomies and C-sections. They begin the minute you put on a coat and leave your home. Yeah. And that's not to say that birth shouldn't happen everywhere else. It's to say that it should be happening better everywhere else. It should be a different environment everywhere else to follow the model of the home birth more. So with that comment, I want to ask you, because you have so much insight, and global insight, what changes need to happen? What would you long to see happen at the societal or governmental levels to start making birth better around the world? Wow. Independent midwifery, you know, period. Um, Back to our roots. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're seeing such a movement to the opposite direction it's really actually very scary like my my first initial reaction is that you can't fix a broken system and to just leave it to die 
<laughs> it sounds dramatic, but I'm, you know, and I've had so many years of upset, you know, as I'm sure you too. And I've come to the realization that the system is perfect the way it is for how it's been designed. And we can't change that. And, you know, just, just look at the, you know, if you just look actually at student midwives, so many who drop out because of the horrific feelings and traumas that experience, the bullying that's going on, the hierarchy in that system, just the system that traumatizes women, you know, um, we can't fix that system. We have to leave that system. And I think what needs to happen is independent birth centers and midwives deciding to go out on their own in masses and we need to get back to an apprenticeship model and out of the universities I understand there needs to be you know I love that we can see so many studies done today by midwives and there are you know academics in midwifery that's important but that can be a different field we need to be with women that is truly what midwifery has always been and should be and in my training even though it's the medical model of care there was a lot of talk about cultural safety and being with women and you know placing the woman as the expert and so on and so forth that's not translated into how it actually is practiced outside of that university it's happening in the trainings they're trying their best but I think there needs to be radical action from consumers, like the women and the families deciding and and demanding a different birth. I think you're I think you're absolutely right about what you said. And I see that here in my experience too in the in the US and midwifery school. Um, the intention is there. And we were taught that to be a midwife is to be with women. But exactly what you said, what's what's taught to you in class it doesn't translate once you cross into the clinic and that's and and i think midwifery nurse midwifery going into the universities was a way of trying to bring midwifery to more people and to try to help support more women having access to midwife attended births and being with with women more but as they've been in the system for so many years the medical system, which is much bigger than them, and they are integrated with them, just keeps creeping in more and more. And it's just like this, this weight. And I mean, I saw it when I was in school, and I've been out of school for a long time. So I can't speak to exactly how it is now. But there was so much, there was so much having to fight still for the principles of midwifery and what we believed in. Yeah. There, it was a constant battle there. Yeah. So yes, we have to get away yeah. get away from all of that. Right now, what I just feel so very passionate about is to actually mentor and educate women to be spiritual midwives, to walk into the system and safeguard to the best of their ability this very broken system as we create the new. I feel like that is what I've come to after these years of what needs to be the middle ground because we cannot change the system. We need to build a new one. It needs to happen not connected to that system. And in the meantime, we need to protect women and we need 
space holders that can hold and protect the space, the physiological, spiritual rite of passage that is birth. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Do you mentor doulas? Because I feel like that's an enormous way you could serve this. Tell me about that. So I'm actually currently um, creating and developing a program, spiritual midwifery program for both birth workers already um, who feel like they want to both deepen their knowledge in physiological birth, but especially space holding and looking at themselves, what they need to um, just rearranging themselves to not bring fear, anxieties or the system. Because if you work both as a doula or a midwife in the system, it takes years to deprogram so much of the fear that the system puts into you. And then also um, it's for anyone. It can be someone who's never been a doula or midwife who wants to hold this physiological, spiritual space. Obviously, it's not a medical program. It's all about the space holding. And I'm very passionate about it. It's going to be launched in May. And um, this is how, yes, truly, Cynthia, how I want to serve because I see that the need is there. And even doulas uphold this medical model and are, you know, enabling what's happening in the system and we need to change that we need to in the meantime while we build a new system we need safeguarding and that's going to be for years you know while we figure out a better system because it's crashing it's titanic it's not going to work now this is where the free birth movement has come from People yeah just... can i use everything you just said yeah the only thing is i it would end on the word crashing and Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather it come in with like a.